0: Seclusion is sort of the topic of this sutra, as you can see in the actual text there. Um, but it's more important the from the yogic perspective that we, we take time to actually understand how, how the yogic tradition perceives seclusion and why it's a valuable state and why it's uh, valuable to our practice. Over the past couple of years, We've all had different doses and experiences of seclusion, right? Uh Uh-huh, yep, we've all been alone more than ever. Um, As Babaji has uh, consistently reminded us though, uh, of the boom, the the gift that seclusion can offer us if we use it skillfully. Um, And that's what we're here to talk about tonight. So when you think of a yogi, um, you might think of them like in a coat, in a cave, like that literally is sort of synonymous, uh, secluded from the world, right? Attaining something valuable, yes. Um, but as we know in our tradition, which is stated by the teachers of this lineage, um, every, every teacher has said it, uh, ultimately you have to test your attainment, by doing what? Going back out to the world. You know, Thanksgiving dinner with the family is something that Babaji often sort of talks about as a real test for our practice. So seclusion is not really defined, so to speak, by being alone, although it can be, but in the yogic tradition, seclusion or real seclusion that this text is is describing is defined rather by being above your attachments and your aversions your pleasures and your pains because even the yogi who finds that attainment in the cave so to speak um, has to test that inward experience by going out into the into their karma and seeing if they can retain that inward experience, whoops, while they are in the external world. As Patanjali teaches in his Yoga Sutras, which is a different text, right? But actually even a little bit older than what we're looking at here in the Shiva Sutras, um, the seed of attachment is pleasure and the seed of aversion is pain. So we experience pleasure and pain on a regular basis. Uh, Now, attachments and aversions, that's sort of referring to a deeper uh, concept of samskaras when those pleasures and pains actually start to become the conduit through which you move through your life, going towards this pleasure, away from this pain, suddenly your life is more an experience of pushing and pulling uh, rather than experience of being in the flow.
1: Um, Will you define samskaras for the new people?
0: Sure. So samskaras um, are when basically these impressions that are made from pleasures and pains um, sort of reside in us and they actually become the, the, I sort of just, I feel like I sort of did of uh, the conduit through which we actually begin to live our our daily life. So um, patterns of behavior that dictate our experience of reality. So I'm gonna we're gonna jump into the sutra here and read a quote. But just to set up the quote a little bit, we're told in the sutra that these pleasures and pains are actually an illusion. Not and they're a grand illusion, and it's the grand illusion of duality. When I was considering this grand illusion in the quote we're about to read, it was almost as if it's almost as if we're like wearing a VR headset, and we're going through a lot of stuff, right? And it all exists sort of in this realm, in this realm of illusion, that when we take it off, and that takes a lifetime, it seems like, according to the, you know, it takes a lot of practice. But when we are able to take off that headset, (laughs) all our energy naturally flows into our actual growth and our actual reality. And I don't know if it ever happens like that dramatically, uh, but the concept is, is simple enough. Um, So let's take a look at the quote. We're actually going to read this one first. Um, Tara, good to see you. Would you mind unmuting and reading this quote for us? I'm going to just make it one size smaller so the whole thing fits. Oops. And give it just one second to load. Sorry, I know that thing's right in the way of you reading. Oh, well, you might be able to read. Oh, there we go. Okay, go for it, I'll
1: scroll. In Kali Ma, it is said, all those states, like the perception of pleasure and pain, and the thoughts associated with them have arisen by imagination. That differentiation is actually the great illusion of duality. Herein, one distinguishes between two opposites, such as the differentiation between pleasure and pain. Thinking pleasure is welcome and pain is to be avoided, the yogi who has destroyed this kind of illusion actually attains the real fruit of yoga. Kalika
0: Thanks Tara.
2: Give everyone a moment just to glance through it.
0: All right. So the grand illusion, you know, I've seen it written many places lately that uh, we all suffer from this state of of feeling like busyness makes us uh, is actually that busyness is actually uh, being substituted for uh, like the contentment we seek. Like if we have a busy life, we have a full life. Um, but if you think of A lot of our busyness as a grand illusion, uh, that sort of goes more in line with uh, how it's being prescribed these days to slow down and to actually take stock and be grateful, cultivate contentment, Um, because the busyness that you might be pouring all of your energy into that makes you feel, quote unquote, alive or important or like you're living, uh, could very well be taking place 100% in the realm of your mind. Uh, a grand illusion that can sort of drain your energy and doesn't quite make it to the roots of your actual being, keeping you from cultivating that fruit that eventually would be your practice.
2: And so this leads us to the, oh, thanks, anonymous.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, I was... Thinking back to three point, well, the last sutra about loving our karma, and I'm wondering about if we, instead of if this ties into um, pain is to be avoided, if we welcome or lean into, embrace our karma, if this helps to destroy this illusion. So,
0: what would loving your karma look like, sort of in this? In this concept, yeah, yeah, I think when it comes to our uh, our our karma the the only thing we have to avoid is pushing and pulling. Essentially, if we're able to work with our karma in a way that helps us um, rise above uh, aversion and attachment, then then we essentially that's that's been told to us. That's how we actually eventually burn it up or become free from it. Um,
1: So that's the that's the same thing as this, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These are all different ways of describing what it is we're doing every day. No, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Sure, Bob, go ahead. Yeah, um, the uh, the idea of reacting to pleasure and pain um, comes to mind that really uh, learning to love your Karma has to do with um, not reacting as strongly to the pleasure and pain. Learning slowly, slowly to react less and less to the the things that cause you pleasure and pain. You're you're just learning. Oh, I don't have to get all riled up, or I don't have to get depressed, or I don't have to whatever it is that you normally do. So Mm. it's a matter of just not reacting as much day by day. Thanks, Bob. And I saw a nod from Anandama. there also, I think, sort of going in line with their question. And I apologize, I had it spotlighted that whole time. So I know you guys couldn't see Anandama and Bob while they spoke, but I know you heard them. So yeah, we're presented with this uh, task of starting to recognize pleasure and pain from this objective place, from this place of our practice. Um, the idea being, if we if we don't uh, respond to these experiences with a little bit of practice, um, like Bob was saying, it tends to... Uh, create like a domino effect it tends to sort of build on itself and as we're able to just apply our practice in little bits you know as we start to recognize these experiences uh, a new path opens up and so that's where i want to go with the last half of this discussion which is just another part of the, the sutra um is that it's absolutely natural to be pulled into pleasure and pain. In fact, there's this really, I'm like, I was like, whoa, a little bit shaken by this quote we're about to read from the Upanishads. uh, When it talked about in the beginning, it's almost, it has like sort of those like vibes in the beginning. uh, Basically, it says the Lord uh, was alone and became afraid. Um, and it's just, we'll we'll read it in a second, Um, but the idea that if we don't sort of keep our minds in check uh, by using our practice, it's really only a matter of time before they sort of spiral into the worst case scenario. Um, As Babaji has told us numerous occasions, um, even when you get what you want, if you're sort of stuck in that mindset, like you're attached to that thing and you need it for your happiness, you'll actually almost instantly be like, "Oh my gosh, uh, I better not lose it." And then suddenly, even now that you have the thing that you wanted, you're st- now you're stuck right back in that feeling of like ah fear that this is sort of this inevitable outcome if we if we are sucked into these patterns of of behavior. Um, I think it's important to recognize just for a moment that we're not talking about pushing away pleasure, right? And we're not, you know, that that's like the, the mind sort of like knee-jerk reaction. We're actually talking about having the joys of our life, as Patanjali says, with a uh, contented mind and actually enjoying them more. Um, as lineage teacher Swami Rujananda, you know, often taught and as Babaji saw him do, He could take a bite of an ice cream sundae or an ice cream cone, and he could actually trace that joy to his heart and open his heart and experience a joy that's far beyond a bite of ice cream, right? So it's not about pushing away anything pleasurable. There's no doubt. It's more about recognizing experiences, using them as inspiration to practice, and then letting that carry you to a new level of experience that is not defined by our mind right and can't be defined by our our scars, and this might be what babaji means when he says my life is better than i could have ever imagined because of my practice meaning if we don't rise above our minds and our patterns then the best life we'll ever get is just the one that your patterns can provide you with but if you want a life that's better than you can imagine well then you got to go beyond your patterns and beyond your mind so let's take one more look at uh, another part of this sutra this quote that i was just referring to and i'll have to just scroll while we read bimi uh good to see you would you mind reading uh this pink quote
1: sure it is rightly said in upanishads in the beginning there was only one lord and because he was only one there being no other he be- became afraid. The Upanishads is telling us that this is the reason why those who are alone become afraid. They become frightened because, in that state of being alone, thisness is excluded. This is the state of Divdhya Brahma. When thisness is not excluded, then you are only one and there is nothing to fear. That is what is delineated by the word word seclusion, gavali. This is the state of seclusion, gavali bhava.
0: Thanks, Vimmy. Glad we had you read that one. There's a lot of tricky words in there. Thank you for tackling those for us. All right, so we've got a concept in here that's not super familiar in the vernacular of our lineage and you know even to be perfectly honest within the sutras um, Swami Lakshmanju uses this term of like this consciousness and thisness Um, and so interpreting it from the previous sutras um, to the best of my ability um, and sort of working with it in this one um, thisness and this consciousness refers to your ability to to remain surrendered uh, in the face of um, these like emotions or pleasures and pains that sort of arise in us. You remember from the last sutra how naming our emotions was a way of almost being like, this is a pot, this is a flower, this is anger, this is sadness, this is joy. How that was uh, a part of the practice, and how we even saw like in psychology, uh, there, this is also. Uh, a part of the practice of naming one's emotions in order to rise above them, um, in order to experience something that is beyond them. Um, And so we see that here, the idea being you can be alone. And if you are maintaining your practice, meaning if you are including this capacity of being able to like name an emotion or stay a little bit objective and witness your experience then there's nothing to fear as the text says in fact i mean nothing to fear is saying it lightly that's sort of like his way of answering the question of uh like spiraling um but in reality it's better than nothing to fear i mean real seclusion to the yogi is the idea of of actually being inside your heart whether you're in a cave or whether you're in your life And so the only qualification is that you're applying this reflective practice, reflective practice, that you're constantly, as the sutra and some you in interpreting it, you're sort of able to name your experience or you're able to see your experience. The witness might be um, a closer interpretation of thisness, you know, in our vernacular of this lineage, um, like being able to witness your experience. And that that ability is how we're defining real seclusion. And then just to wrap it up, this concept of real seclusion is actually the experience of your heart Right, It's actually the experience of unity, this thing that you can only find within yourself, meaning it is an individual experience. It does sort of require you to go within. But when we go within, the experience we have is not one of isolation, but of unity, of wholeness, of oneness, oneness almost in that one word encapsulates this experience we're trying to describe oneness, right? Individuality, this inward real seclusion that is an experience of of
2: all reality.
0: So, Let's take just a, a couple of minutes to taste this, uh, reflect for a second on it, and then we'll, we'll use the last 20 minutes of class to meditate. So just, just from right where you're at, just we'll just do this for a couple of minutes. Let your attention sort of absorb into the shell of your body. You know, feel that shell. And then allow your awareness to just sort of fill the space within that, within those walls of skin, as the
2: Vigyanabhairava puts it.
0: This self-reflective moment is the definition of thisness, when you're able to really see yourself to feel yourself within space, within a room.
2: And just really simply just hold your
0: awareness within yourself. Feel your body, feel your breath. These are not isolating concepts, weirdly. First, it might seem like
2: isolating, but as you do it, you don't feel isolated. You might even feel more in the room than you were before. You feel the presence of those around you more clearly.
0: And so from this space, what is your experience of real seclusion? What is your experience of being on your own, like in the space that we're in right now, even if you're in a room with other people, or literally on your own, but actually feeling more whole? When do those concepts come together for you in your day-to-day life so take a couple of minutes to reflect on real seclusion in your experience and when that inward focus actually yields something bigger maybe there's examples in your day-to-day life or obviously maybe when you're meditating we'll take a couple of minutes for this if you don't have a pen and paper um, try to actually feel that space inside and just write at least one word like in the air just try to feel that connection to your heart and allow yourself to traverse this space bringing this inner experience to an external fruition good practice
2: Just finishing the thought that you're on.
0: And taking a moment to just reread what you wrote and underline a key word or phrase and then you can share it in the chat box. And if you air wrote a word, throw that one in the chat box. And if you're in a group setting, you can just say it
2: out loud probably and they'll write it down for you. To read to them. Ready you go.
1: A pond after a splash, calmness returning.
0: Non dual
1: balanced.
0: Tuning into the bliss.
1: Fully present
0: integrity, state of wholeness, undivided,
1: no thing, visceral, refined, peace of mind, conscious observer.
0: Thank you all so much for those thoughtful responses. Does anyone want to elaborate on their word or phrase?
1: I'll say something. Sure. Um, at the beginning of the sutra, when we were talking about seclusion, um, I could. Feel my like knee-jerk reaction of like, uh, like I don't I don't want to be secluded. Like, oh, that doesn't sound good or fun or blissful. But then when we were doing the practice and I was going inside, my word was non-dual because I really didn't feel separate from anything even though my focus was internal. So it almost feels like a joke a little bit, or a paradox, because if we're in this non-dual state, how can we possibly be secluded or separate? Because there's no separation. So I don't know, It mm. I, I felt like, um, oh, joke's on me. And I felt pretty happy. <laughs>
2: mm. Does that, does that ring true for anyone else?
0: That was pretty helpful. That was really helpful for me. Yeah, VA, I've heard Baba G say to people, um, you know, uh, when they say, when they've asked questions about being lonely, like he does really talk about this inner connection and says how it's available and how you're never really alone. Not to say that we don't feel that way. That's not the the question, but that there is this uh, powerful unified state, you know, awaiting for us. And that these yogis who live <laughs> in the, you know, in these jungles or in these caves, like, you know, they're not lonely there. They're actually experiencing something very powerful. And that when they come back to their city or their town, that they share from that place that they become a resource for other people to find that space inside and it's interesting that usually you do have to go into that you know you sort of have to seclude yourself a little to find it but then yeah it's a bit, you're right it's very it's like a, a paradox i think you said. yeah
1: because if i'm in that lonely state i can't go anywhere to get rid of it you know and if I'm in the full state, it doesn't matter where I go. I'm still going to feel that. So it's sort of an illusion that it exists anywhere besides inside.
0: I feel like goodbye I opened Pandora's box on the paradox there, <laughs> just the idea of like, whoa, It's like if you really look at this thing, from the mind it just sort of like bends back on itself you're like i don't know what this means but how simple it is in terms of an experience
2: any other comments before you meditate together
0: real seclusion Oh. So because there are no comments, that doesn't necessarily mean there's no connection happening, right? Because you guys are feeling a connection, but it doesn't have to be spoken, you know, necessarily to to be uh, real. So, um, but let's meditate and uh, explore that connection together. So you are absolutely welcome to shuffle, you know, move, twist, readjust your seat, make it real. And um, looks like people are settling back in. Always feel free to, you know, change the seat completely. If you want to go to a chair, whatever helps you feel comfortable. We got 15 minutes left together. And so uh, from your your seat, wherever that might be, however that might look, uh, feel the length of the spine, self-supported, buoyant, like the stalk of a flower, you know, that, that, How's the, how do the flowers just stand upright? They're so, you know, you feel the stock and you're like, how does it do it? And then you are like that too. You know, we want to have that kind of lightness to this length, uh, a levity, um, a naturalness to our seat. You can swallow and if you keep the mouth shut while you swallow, this the you can allow the tongue to sort of suction back and up to the roof, the back of the roof of the mouth. It's very it's a very natural action, the kichari mudra. That very light upward pressure of the tongue against the back palate, and the teeth just barely touching. This allows a gentle non-doership level of, of core support. Um, through the the subtle aspects of the torso. And the seed is really the setting, right? The seed is like the cave. When you establish your seat,
2: it's like going into a a space
0: that just draws you in. When the seat moves, hey, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's almost like a little earthquake and you got to resettle.
2: And take a moment to feel yourself in this cave, in this space, this solitary space.
0: Maintaining that lightness,
2: of course. We're in the cave and we, we can see out. But we also feel this internal space. And allow your breath to be a part of your experience.
0: Letting the breath move, as Paul Reps teaches, let the breath move as if it was wind, like just sort of flowing and blowing against you, or as if it was rain, just gently pouring down very lightly. Try to let the breath be a natural
2: element. And as the thoughts arise, it's almost like a scene
0: playing out in front of your cave. You can either join the scene and leave the cave,
2: or you can let the scene just sort of walk by.
0: You don't have to push it along. You don't want to grab it. You just want to let it walk by. You're in the cave. That's where your energy is going. Stillness and the breath.
2: There could be a hundred different emotions
0: occurring for each one of us in a different way. It's impossible to react to each one. All you have to do is funnel your awareness in with the breath to the stillness of your body, to the space of your heart. And you let whatever comes up walk
2: by. No push or pull. Every time we sit, we're given the opportunity to experience this inward space. We don't always want that opportunity. Sometimes the mind is active. We're
0: drawn into it all too easily. But just know it's a special opportunity. For each of us,
2: and at the moment you put your attention in, it begins.
0: Feel free to bring the natural breath mantra to your experience. Hum as you inhale, sa as you exhale, silent mantra of the breath. Uh, Filling this inner space with our awareness.
2: These last minutes are precious. Let yourself enjoy this time of seclusion. deepening the breath flow, letting the eyes open a little bit. You can
0: imagine yourself still in that cave. And now we go into our life. But we retain that inner experience, and that makes our presence um, uplifting and nourishing, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. Oh, sorry. sorry if that was loud. And I really apologize. It was supposed to be really quiet. Sorry. <laughs> In any case, as we move back into our life, when startling sounds occur, um, may you retain that inner space of awareness. Thank you all so much for your focus and attention. Diving into the cave of seclusion.
1: Okay, call it the chamber.
0: Namaste. Have a great rest of your night, and see you next week.
1: Hope you feel better. Yep. Yeah. Coming. We love them. Hi Usha. Good to see you.
2: Hi, Tara. I'm glad you could make it.